This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. Hey, welcome back. Uh, This is Rich. And this is Paul. And uh, today we are going to talk about some more of the uh, Tales of the Jedi. We're going to talk about the Golden Age of the Sith, which actually shoots us back a thousand years before the 4,000 years that we were talking about. Right. So this is, this is before the Battle of Yavin. This is right. 5,000 years before. 5,000 years. 5K. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. The it's, common shorthand for 1,000 is K. Yes. Yes. I, uh, well, you know, <laughs> good, I just good work. Let him, Thank you. Thank you. I <laughs> like to bandy my knowledge about anytime <laughs> I have a chance. Look at, look at you just tossing off these erudite references like <laughs> 5K, you know, 5,000. <laughs> for the uninitiated <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true folks that's what i do i find ways to try and interject you you ivory tower fucking you know professor guy that's not me i mean that's me yeah that's totally i'm i'm in yeah. I'm, in. I'm in how do i get my tower i want a tower <laughs> step one tower step, <laughs> step two Question mark. Step three, profit. Painted, painted ivory. Okay. Painted yeah, ivory. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, because because you wouldn't be so easy as just make it from ivory. Right. right? You would no. just make it out of like bricks or whatever. Well, and yeah. then paint it ivory colored. Right. Yeah. My cheap ass would not. I'd, I'd just build it. I'd probably like put a few like boards up as like a lean to almost <laughs> of a tower and then paint them white. Be like, paint tower of, over her. Paint one of them white. <laughs> right. And then say, and got my ivory tower. <laughs> if you look at it from this angle. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm an elite intellectual, and this is my ivory tower. <laughs> I have a Come to learn from tower. me. Yeah. <laughs> so we right. read the, so we read that we read the five issues of that set of the Tales of the Jedi, because Tales of the Jedi has seven or eight arcs contained within it. Story arcs, yeah. Um, yeah We've burned through quite a few of these at this yeah, point. Yeah, we right? have. Yeah. We are what are we on? Five? To We're about five, five now? There's did... one or two more pre-Dark Lords of the Sith, pre-Exarchoon. I think there's one or two more pre-Exarchoon. Okay. And there is maybe one more post what we did earlier. Yeah, that's like what I was seeing too. Post, one more post-Lick coming back to the, or coming out of the dark. Right. And getting cut and, off from the Force, yeah. Right, yeah, getting Force blasted away from the Force. Force blocked. Force block. <laughs> it's like a cock block, but for the force, you know? You're right. Force cock block. Whoa. Force cock blocked. Cock force block? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Works either way. But maybe, maybe not. Rich. Rich, Sir. rich, rich. Yes. Hit us, with that, hit us with that breakdown. Hit us with the synopsis. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wrote up a synopsis because <laughs> I am terrible at doing this off are, the cuff. We are both terrible at doing <laughs> synopsis. So I decided to kind of do this as kind of like almost like a, if I were summarizing this for a paper for college and I had to go right. back. Yeah, I go back 20 nice. years, you know. So nice. This is uh, The Golden Age of the Sith is the story of how sibling, or siblings, Jory and Gav, Daragon, hyperspace explorers, find themselves in the middle of a Sith civil war between Naga Sadow and Ludo Kresh, heirs to the throne of the deceased Dark Lord of the Sith, Marka Ragnos. 
Finding the intrepid explorers are from the Republic, the would-be Sith Lords take opposing sides with Kresh believing that they should kill the interlopers, Jory and Gav, to preserve the Sith way, and Sadow insisting that they should use the witless explorers to help them crush the Republic so the Sith may rule. Secretly, Sadow keeps the siblings separately hidden from Kresh who trains and trains Gav in the, in the Sith ways while sending Jory home on her ship with a homing beacon firmly attached. Meanwhile, Kresh discovers Sadow's treachery and launches a full-scale attack on Sadow's fortress, but Naga Sadow has other plans. He has turned Kresh's spies to his side and launches a counteroffensive, which crushes his, his opponent. Sadow then turns his attention to the Republic in the closing pages of the arc. I just want to say that I have purchased this whole chair. I only needed the edge for that synopsis. It was that riveting. It was that <laughs> amazing. <laughs> wow that's uh thank you that's high praise thank you so i have a i have you know 8 10 12 whatever little notes of things sure but i wanted to i wanted to start of i don't know i guess i'm just going to jump in now on my larger yeah. thing with this this series this this set you did a synopsis we both read through them i came away with somehow I didn't care that I read these books. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, it's, it's not like, it's not like they themselves are necessarily poorly written. Right. Or poorly drawn. Right. Or whatever. Like there's a, there is a story. There are clearly experienced story, story writers right. creating this story. Yeah. Um, Kevin Anderson has done lots of good stuff. And yet I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't care that this happened. I didn't care about any of the characters. They so, weren't, so, yeah, they weren't very compelling. Yeah. Um, like, I did, like, it, this is going to sound, I don't know, whatever, but I'm just going to say it. Like, yeah, Ivory Tower Elitist? <laughs> this is going to sound very Ivory Tower Elitist. Sweet. Or not, not really that, but whatever. No, like, those two, the, the two explorers, yeah. uh, Gav and whatever the other one's name is. Jory. If, as soon as they landed on Korriban, the Sith had killed them, I would not have cared because those right. characters, like I didn't, I didn't care. Right. Like nothing about those characters made me want to be like, Oh man, how will Gavin jury get out of this one? You know, or like, Oh, they're so good. I hope they get away. They, they were not like heroes at all. Right. And they were also not interesting. Right. Yes. They were totally you know? completely boring. And there was, a, there was a preview issue, an issue zero, that really dealt with mostly them and what happened to their parents and, yeah, and how, they, yeah. how they got their Starjammer ship or whatever the heck it was called. Starbreaker 12. Starbreaker 12, in. yeah. That's Come in, Starbreaker 12, Lore. When I, as I was reading that, I thought to myself, wow, if this is what this is going to be about, I am in for a tough read. This is going to be a very difficult read because that, that, that was just boring. To me, the machinations between Ludocrash and like Nagasato, I also didn't care. Right. I had nobody to really root for or root right. against. And like the details of it seemed flimsy to like, let's, yeah. uh, I'm going to tell you that I killed them, but I'm really going to keep them. So it's that thing where like, we're, since we are journeying through Star Wars and doing all these things, there are things that go by here that are interesting as tidbits Right. And things for us to think about still. Yeah. And we'll talk about them, obviously. Sure. But as a, as a nugget of Star Wars entertainment, 
I just couldn't be fucked to care about this. <laughs> that's a that's a damn good way of putting it. Honestly, it, I, it is. That, that's what I thought about too. As I thought that yeah. there were there were little bits in this that I found interesting. I found that maybe piqued my interest a little bit, but like, maybe not anything that I really wanted to really delve too much into. Like More of like a, a note of, yeah. interesting, you know? There were things that I found comically inappropriate, but none of it as a whole really mattered. And I think the, I think the problem lies with Jory and Gav. They are characters, like you said, that it, it, I don't care about them, right? And they're, they're uninteresting. Yeah. They're uninteresting, but I do find the idea of hyperspace explorers interesting. The idea that they have to plan out these hyperspace paths, right? Yeah. And these guys were people that did that. I, I like that idea, and I wish, they, I wish there was more to it in that aspect. But they themselves are not interesting. And they're also inconsequential. They are almost completely inconsequential. Nagasato already knows that there's a republic. He was already at odds with Crash. The Crash guy. Yeah. They were so comically opposing that one of them was wearing blue and the other was wearing red, as if one was a Democrat and the other was a Republican. And that's all the politics I want to bring into this. But right. they, they are obviously oh, diametrically oh, opposed. Also, yeah. I want to say that you said comically opposing. Yeah. And that has two levels to it, right? Yeah, <laughs> because both in the funny sense and right. it's on the pages of a comic. Right. 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 So points for me for extricating <laughs> meaning from our conversation, like meta <laughs> meaning, right? Like, like I'm, I'm listening to us talk about this, but also like in like the metaverse, somebody is, is doing a podcast about these podcasts right. of right. us of us talking about this right absolutely absolutely right. yeah and then so somebody so now the people doing the podcast about our podcast about star wars mm -hmm. are going to comment on us talking meta about our podcast and to what layer that causes them to also be meta about their own i think that just kicks in like this like infinite regression of like it's podcasts <laughs> all the way down right it's right. podcasts all the way down right to to nothing <laughs> you know? echoes it just echoes and <laughs> it just echoes yeah yeah that's interesting and i think that i think that whoever it is that is in another universe listening to us is actually in a universe where the cheers killer actually exists and it's not just a story it's not just a story <laughs> Like Gets Cheers is a real bar, ready. and Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Somebody like got, you can you literally know. get Carla to give you a beer. Right, right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real yeah. This is this is yeah. a, this is a bar where Woody Harrelson never became an actor. He just went to a bar and he's you know, just worked there. A, yeah. He's just a dopey barkeep yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oof, exactly. Man. I know it's oh man. There's levels. There's it's layers. It's it's like an onion. I did not mean to digress us this far. No, no, no. <laughs> oh no. boy. No. And the beauty Maybe of this it's the weakness of the weakness of the material for this week has really uh, <laughs> caused us to go off the rails. So they they are they're uh, just back to the back to what I was saying. Jory and Gab are inconsequential. These guys were going to have their little spat no matter what happened. They were yeah. already at each other's throats over who was going to be the next dark dark lord. Yeah. They were going to fight no matter what. These guys are yeah. inconsequential. If you take them out. They don't, the story progresses the same way. They fight another way. You right. know, yeah. 
I think this is why this was a five-issue series instead of a six-issue series. I think that uh, Kevin Anderson probably realized he didn't have enough material to make it six issues. They brought it down to five, and they probably, even at that point, they probably said, well, we're going to need to fill some of this. So let's bring in these hyperspace explorers. Right. Is the next pre-Exarchoon series the continuation of this story, yes. do you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I actually looked into that because the first thing I thought was, well, it ends on it ends on such an ominous note, you know, like with this like, tracking signal. Like there's you know? got to be something else, right? There's, yeah. yeah, like if they just dropped it, that would just be, that would be torturous and mean. The Fall of the Sith Empire, I think, is the next oh, okay. one. And it definitely deals with uh, Nagasato going to the Republic and trying to take it over. So let's get into that. But some of the things that I found interesting is that they give us a little bit more information about who the Sith are. Yes. Where they are. They give us an idea of what Sith Lords want. And Sith Lords want two things. They want to preserve the Sith way and they want to conquer. And uh, Oh, three. And they want riches as well because, because Nagasato is like, we're going to take all their riches and we're going to plunder everything and we are going to rule. Like he literally yeah. says that at one point. Yeah. And well, not literally, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along those lines anyway, that, yeah. at, at one point. And it occurs to me that he's a Superman villain. He's Lex Luthor in yeah. Superman, the movie, because that's all he's about is land. Remember my yeah. father said land land, right? So that's what he wants. He wants to go out and he wants to. So if this is what the Sith are all about, they want to rule everything and they want all the riches, right? It seems kind of pedestrian compared to what we were told in the originals. And, I, and, and we've talked about this before, but the originals, obviously, they exist in kind of in a vacuum almost because Star Wars is yeah. itself just, it's not open-ended, it's uh, 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 and, and the, the story's done, right? And we're yeah. given all these little pieces, but they're not expanded upon. And then it falls to these writers to kind of piece it all together and like put things into spots where maybe the, maybe the hole's not the right shape, but they're going to shove it in there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. March cornhole, buddy. March cornhole. Hey, Peter, man. Watch your cornhole, buddy. <laughs> that being said, I'm, I'm glad we finally got an answer to what are the Sith all about. Yeah. I, I'm just disappointed that that's what it was. That yeah. there's not anything greater than that. But, what I did like is that we, we got an idea of how they became the Sith. They were Jedi, but they were cast yeah. out. These are Jedi yeah. that were cast out for dabbling in the dark side of the Force. So they were thrown to the other side of the galaxy. Uh, they created their own society on Corbin, or they, or they took over a society on Corbin, and then they, yeah. and they in interbreeded with the Sith that were already there. The and Sith the, species. The yeah. Species, yeah. So that's how that all kind of came about. So I, I, feel, I feel better about knowing that because that was really my goal in going back. If we think back to, I think it was the Darth Maul episodes where we were talking, we wanted to know a little bit more about who the Sith were and why the Sith were. Why do they just want to kill Jedi? We kind of have an answer. They were cast out because the Jedi yeah. didn't like what they were doing and they're pissed off. So was there any indication of how long ago did Dark Jedi split off from the Jedi? So there was a mention of something called the Great Schism. And that I was, wrote that down. Yeah. That is, I think, the, the point at which the Jedi said, no, 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 enough of your dark side diddling. Get up the fuck out of here, right? 
get on the ship and go to the other side of the galaxy. But we don't know when that was. And I haven't, I haven't looked that up yet. I was actually going to ask you if you knew, because you seem to be a font of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. I thought about looking up and then I was like, I, I kind of want to get there. You know, I'm not sure I want to just always just like jump to Wikipedia and just read the facts because right. I want to experience the thing, right? Because it's not an artistic experience if you just like read the Wikipedia entry about the timeline of whatever fucking happened, right? Well, sure. It's it, like the it, so, post notes. Yeah. So if you, if you were to read like what happened in these five books, you wouldn't know that they're garbage. You know? <laughs> right. Or, or, or you wouldn't know that they're sort of meaningless or what I'm, they're not garbage, but you wouldn't know that it's kind of a meh experience all around. Right. You would just be like, Oh, the Sith rediscovered the Republic because of this wayward hyperspace explorer found Korriban and they put a tracking beacon on the ship and sent it back. Right? right. And then thus the Sith, you know, entered Republic space and began to try to whatever the fuck. Right. Right. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't have gone through and read a story about it. And I want, I, I don't want one thing. This is, here's a meta thing. Dear meta podcast people, listen to me, please. <laughs> one thing I don't want is to just discuss like Wikipedia entries. Right. You know, I yeah, want to experience, and you're, you're on the same page. I know you are. Yep. Definitely. Um, I don't like, I want to experience the creative work of somebody and then like, assimilate that into my headcanon engine of of what i think about star wars you know well there's something to be said for that because i mean you're reading wikipedia you're reading someone else's interpretation of something that's already been written or uh, something that's already been produced as a tv show or a movie or something and your experience with that material may not be the same as the editor of wikipedia's page on the golden age of the sith I, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. I definitely agree with, with that. I would say laying off Wikipedia other than like maybe for... Just to answer a to, real quick thing that... Answer a real... Like like if a name goes by and I don't know the name, sure. but it seems like I should, I'll go look sure. at that and be like, oh, that's the guy who, you know, invented farting lightsabers or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, yeah, or or like finding finding the material, like saying, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I want to know exactly. uh, when did this appear? Oh, it appears in this book or this you know show or whatever. Then we can go and experience that ourselves and kind of you know kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page of that. Okay, so there are, there are a few things though that even if even if I didn't like this material itself as a as an artistic experience. I do. I am still slotting these things into my conception of Star Wars. Sure. One thing I wanted to kind of get your take on or thoughts on is how common is hyperspace travel in the Star Wars universe? Is it like kids going on a field trip? Is it has everybody gone into hyperspace and gone somewhere else, or is it for only for basically for rich people or explorers or whatever? Is it is it really expensive to get from star A to star B? on a on a ship does that change throughout the star wars history hmm. right all that so i'm just curious if you ever had a thought or a sense of that yeah i think my impression of it has always kind of been like boats and ships right so you've got you've got the guy that can afford like a canoe right 
Uh-huh. And and he he can he can travel at like sublight speeds, right? Mm-hmm. And and that guy he's never going to go out and he's never going to go into hyperspace, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's just never going to get there unless he's traveling with somebody or has a friend who has a, a hyperspace capable ship canoe, <laughs> Hi- right, hyper canoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you've got then you've got the guys that'll have like say the speedboats, right? And those those can go you know hyperspace, right? Mm, sure. But they're not like these. They're not like long distance hyperspace ships. It's like if you're taking your X-wing to Dagobah, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah you could take your X-wing to Dagobah, and then you've got like your like your star destroyer level stuff, which would be like a uh, like a commercial vehicle, right? Like a yeah. like an eighteen like a, wheeler a, or like a oh, not an eighteen wheeler, like a oil tanker. Right? <laughs> an eighteen like wheeler. That's second degree of the ocean, man. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> not a, you not turn it upside down, let it float. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like you're like paddling the eighteen wheeler <laughs> with a giant like oar. Dave, why is the engine still hey, on? Hey, this is my star destroyer. What are you doing? You know. <laughs> but I've always kind of I've always kind of likened it that way into these like maritime paths. You know what I mean? Like I always felt like maybe it's just the poor poor people that can't afford can't to go it. hyperspace. Yeah, like the guy that's got a Yugo in town he's obviously not going to go on like a long trip with that (laughs) but most people can afford like a car where they could go like if you're five or six hours so in in your conception if you're like sort of lower middle class star Mm -hmm. wars people you can you can go to tatooine if you want to sure yeah i mean well why would you yeah it's full of sand i hate sand gets everywhere gets everywhere (laughs) you could go to you know Corellia or Coruscant or whatever, and it sure. wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's. I would think so. That's, does that okay. does that seem logical to you at all, or is that like am I was I, trying think to I'm think way about, off base there? I was trying to think about it because there's there's all these different like ways of doing it, and I just wasn't quite sure, sure what I thought it would be because because here's the thing, is that there are hyperspace explorers, right, right, who go places where people don't haven't gone a lot. And I thought to myself, if there are people who are just like, if you just got to point yourself away that nobody else has decided to go, then is it not very common? If you think about the ocean, especially around the coasts of like any continent, it is crazy busy. Right. And any harbor or any, any bay or whatever has had people land there for hundreds of years. Right. You know? Sure. There's, there's like no part of the ocean that hasn't been sailed, even if it's not worthwhile to go there now, right? Right. Because the Pacific is huge. And there are parts of the Pacific that no sane person will regularly go to, but you could take a boat there if you wanted to, right? Right, sure. But but hyperspace seems to be like nobody's gone that way before to these guys, to Gavin, what's the hell, whatever their names are. Jory. Um, They're just like... That's the other thing that I wrote down is I wrote down their names. The first thing I wrote down who they were and what they were about, because I was like, (laughs) I'm not forgetting people's names. I'm just losing it. You know, last time I was editing an an episode, I was like, God damn it. I can never remember anybody's fucking name. (laughs) (laughs) Write down names, man. Dude. Nice prep, by the way. That was Uh, like to, to, to the listeners, Rich showed me the sheet that he did. And it was like, that's good prep. Anyway, I just wanted to, I just, I just was just thinking about like, what is, what is hyperspace exploration look yeah. like? Because, because what they say is they're in the first issue, they say, I think in the, in like the, the preface page or whatever, yeah. it says the Jedi Knights had tamed a mere portion of the galaxy. 
Right. Yes. Meaning yeah. in, in Star Wars hyperspace, whatever, even if you want to go that way, hyperspace sort of limits you. So take, for example, Star Trek, which right. has a very different mode of hyperluminal travel. Right. You know, which is your warp drive, which in Star Trek, you are still moving through real space. So you can still run into a planet or whatever. I mean, in hyperspace, you can too, but it's different, right? Because you're like, you're in hyperspace, then you're not right. in real space. Right. In Star Trek, you're never not in real space. You're just going really fast through it, you know? Right. So in Star Trek, you can point your ship anywhere and just go, go. And it will go because it just goes through space. Right. But in Star Wars, you can't just point your ship anywhere and go, go. You need a hyperspace lane right. to get there, according to this, which I hadn't necessarily thought too much about. I still almost thought of it like in my head, the mental model was the Star Trek model, where any way I put my finger, I can jump to hyperspace in that direction and just go really fast. Mm -hmm. Right. But according to this, no, no, no. If you want to go from here to, you know, Corellia and you're way out on the outer rim, you might have to hop, you might have to take a left at Albuquerque to get on the hyperspace lane there to hit the main, to hit like the I-35 of hyperspace lanes to get to Corellia. You can't just go, Corellia's that way, go. You right. know what I mean? Right. Which I, which I had not properly assimilated into my understanding of Star Wars hyperspace travel. Well, I think they changed the game for us with hyperspace travel with these comics. Because if you think about, like, in, in Star Wars, right, Han says that he's plotting the course via the Nava computer, right? And Luke's like, hey, what, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, you know, traveling through hyperspace. come out of hyperspace into a meteor or whatever. Right, yeah, you don't want yeah. to come out in a meteor shower and you don't want to come out next to a supernova that would end your trip real quick, right? So... I think the way that I always thought of it back then was that it is like pointing your finger that way, but then you also have to compensate for, okay, well, there's going to be this in the way, this What's in the, way, in this the way. way, this in the way, right? Like Star Trek. And so it, it, that's how that felt. But this feels to me like, especially at this point, and this was 5,000 years ago. So, and I think this was kind of the, almost the dawn of hyperspace travel, right? Uh, or at least at the very, the very fledgling years of hyperspace travel, this, mm -hmm. this series that we just read. And uh, so I think, I think that what they were doing, there is a, there is some, some comment that's made about dropping hyperspace markers at certain spots. Oh, okay. um, and I think, I don't think that was in this series. I think this was in the previous series or one of the previous series and uh, the, the thing where, the, where they were talking about that. So I think that that's what they're doing. They're going out. It's kind of like, Lewis and Clark, right? They're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make a path here. We're gonna leave, you know, stuff we, the way that we know. We're gonna we're gonna draw it out on a map. But for them, they're drawing it out on the computer, uh, you know, as they're going, kind of a thing, you know. At least that's the feeling that I got for it, according to this information and according to what we saw in A New Hope. We're expected to believe that in five thousand years, it evolved from well, we got to drop a marker here to hey, I can go wherever I want. I just need some time to plot the course, you know, like a ship's navigator did back in the day, you know. You yeah, plot yeah. Plot the course. Oh, we can't go that way, Cappy. There's an iceberg, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, unless you're the Titanic's navigator. Is it too soon to make Titanic? Too, too soon? I mean, it's... Uh, 
Nah. Over a hundred years at this point. I say nah. Meh. I yeah, I like that. Let's go with meh. Because I don't think it <laughs> I don't think out of our six listeners or whoever we've got at this point <laughs> that one of them is the survivor or the not a survivor, but like an ancestor of a survivor of the Titanic. I, I don't think that's victim. enough to get I don't think it's enough to get us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard what they said about the Titanic. The navigator specifically, they were very mean to him. So yeah, so it's just it's not a big point, but it just sort of influences my thought about how oh, yeah. you, how you get around yeah. and how they originally got around and how they, because, because I think in the universe where hyperspace lanes are important, yeah, that is why there is like uncharted regions or whatever, because hyperspace gets funky in certain parts of the galaxy for whatever, I don't even know why. I'm not sure there is an explanation in, given in Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, media as to why there's, because there's like, if you look at, I, I looked at a couple of just maps of stuff and there's always like kind of a quadrant of the galaxy that's just like the unexplored or uncharted region. And really? it's okay. huge. It's huge. I mean, there are a few planets that are known, but it's mostly just like, there's this enormous part of the galaxy that no one from the Republic basically ever goes to because hyperspace is all fucked up there somehow. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So anyway, there's just things like that affect how I think about this stuff too. It just in yeah. terms of, cause I mean, you know me, I tend to think about the sci-fi logistics of doing things, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So specific to this story, I had a couple of things that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Odon Ur, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not appear in the later the later he did. schedule? So he's been around for a while. He's right? he's like a thousand years old, I guess. Okay. Okay. So he at least a thousand, right? Because yeah. this takes place a thousand years before and he's obviously he obviously an apprentice at this point. He's learning because yeah. he gets chided at one point. Hey, you don't have to just yeah. go for the kill. You know, he's like, Oh yeah. shit, sorry. So, okay, so that clears that up because I couldn't, and I didn't want to go back and reread it because, I mean, I didn't want to conflict the storylines for myself. It, is a, a it was a little jarring to me, I guess, to think that, oh, this, so this guy's a thousand years old. Because yeah. even though Yoda is like 900 years old in when he finally kicks the bucket. He finally kicks the bucket. Like when he he finally, it, like, I was just that little green that bastard. Little green fucker gonna die. <laughs> I hate him so much. No, I don't. I don't hate Yoda. Yoda, Master Yoda, I do not hate you. Um, He's not real, man. Fear leads to hate. <laughs> or no, sorry. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And then up next is suffering. Right. Yeah, you don't want and to do after that. that is guilt. After that is bargaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after that is lust. Denial, I think. Oh no, yeah, lust, lust, and then, then denial, and then envy, then envy, and then, then sloth, sloth. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, eventually it's just sloth. You're just like fuck it, whatever. That would be great if like if like <laughs> Master Yoda's like chart to the dark side is like thirty four steps of emotions. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, and and just uh and, and and meshing like the stages of grief and the uh, <laughs> yeah and like, like somehow the AA 12 steps yeah, oh, yeah, yeah i was just gonna say aa is in there too yeah yes yeah. fuck yeah we gotta i'm gonna come up with something like that i'm gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna 
Master Yoda's expanded, you know. 34 steps to the dark side. 34 steps. Wait. No, you gotta you do it like a uh, like a clickbait title, like 34 steps to the dark side and five that aren't. The five steps to the dark side no one ever told you about, you know, like <laughs> yeah. these celebrities know the five steps to the dark side. Or, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine this celebrity fell to the dark side? Find out how. <laughs> What? <laughs> so, funny little point. Yeah. Which doesn't really matter to me much, I guess. But it was funny. Is that there's there's an old fucking rotting head kept alive by the dark side of the force. Right. He's so pissed off that he's still alive, <laughs> and he's just a fucking head in a prism. Well, not anymore. A but pyramid. He, but he was. Uh, not anymore. He got blasted. But uh, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, that, that is pretty amusing. It was kind of amusing because, like, kind of Futurama. I mean, it's it's kind of like if you can do that, why is that not more common? <laughs> yes. You know, it 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 should be like Futurama. If you can right. do that, they should have like the room full of old <laughs> Sith dude heads. Yes. They're like, I'm the most <laughs> evil, or whatever. You know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I imagine that that room would be controlled by a hut because the fucking huts are everywhere. Have yeah. you noticed that? Why yeah, is there always a hut? And here's something that I noticed. The huts wear clothes back then. Yeah, what? Now, I don't know. That, okay, that's just plain weird to me. Huts wearing clothes is just weird. And I don't know if that's weirder than the fact that I'm more comfortable, comfortable with them naked than I am with them in clothes. Like, dude was wearing a... What was he wearing? Like, like a, a little, like a, a fez, goony fucking right? hat. Fez yeah, he was thing. wearing like a fez. Yeah, and and a vest. Yeah, it, and it was it almost felt racist, right? <laughs> I like, I the, like good lord. I don't, I don't, I don't know. The huts but, are a whole thing that are. It's very shit. I just yawned. Shit. Uh, <laughs> damn it! That's go back. That's go back. Terrible hut, podcasting. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you know, Metaverse podcast crew. Uh, this is a bad episode. I yawned. The, <laughs> the, the, they, they don't even know that there's a Cheers killer for real. They just, that's, the, that's the universe that they're in, too. It's just the killer, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to them, it's just the killer. <laughs> it's just the killer. It's like in, like in China. It's, Chinese, it's not Chinese food. It's just food. It's just food. <laughs> and they have American food instead of... Hey Just man, you want to order out American? Yeah, let's order American. <laughs> Which I think not a lot of people actually do, by the way. No, no like hell no, man. That shit's terrible for you. <laughs> I have a dilemma a little bit. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not a dilemma, but it's just because the oh, question I would I, like the it question, to be. <laughs> the, the question I wanted to ask you, and maybe I'll just ask you it anyway. Yeah. But I feel like it's too big of a question. But That's what she this, said? Ex, the experience of this, hi the experience <laughs> of this, of reading this, mm-hmm. made me think about it. And I don't have my answer. I don't know what my, if I, if I was to ask this of myself, I don't know what I would say. But here, here is my question. Okay. So we've got, we've got movies, books, comics, games, all kinds of shit in the Star Wars world that we have, that we have looked at, that we will look at, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What? What makes a quality Star Wars media experience to you? That's a good question. That's See, that's why I thought it was like kind of a too big. It's 
it's like ridiculously too big of a question. Yeah. Okay. But, so I'm going to just but it, off but the it, cuff. It, it sort of matters though, because we right. are going, we go through it. Right. We have our little, we don't have a star ranking or whatever, but we do, we have reactions to everything that we've experienced positive or negative or whatever. Sure. Anyway, go, please, please go. No, I just, uh, I'm going to say off the cuff, uh, amount of nudity, <laughs> uh, murders per capita and, uh, lightsaber sex toys, you know, whatever. I, Okay, so in all in all honesty, this is gonna sound really fucking hippy dippy, but it's just you gotta fucking, feel. I know. You I know. Fucking hippie. Fucking hippie motherfucker. <laughs> it's gotta feel right to me. Like it's gotta feel like Star Wars. And yeah. I've never examined what it means for something to feel like Star Wars, but I can give you an example of what does feel Star Wars, and I can give you an example of what does not feel Star Wars. Okay. Hit me, so bro. the example of what does not feel Star Wars would be the issue number zero of this arc and the first couple of issues of the very first arc that we read of Tales of the Jedi when we were getting introduced to Olek Kaldroma and his brother, uh, One Arm. Oh, they, they cut off my <laughs> arm! It's back! <laughs> uh, so... So those didn't feel very, very Star Wars to me. And I understand that, that there's, there's a point where, you know, you've got to, you're kind of getting your legs under you and you're trying to find your way in this vast universe that you just got kind of plunked down into and you're really trying to figure out how you're going to tell this story that you want to tell. So I, I, I gave them that. So those are the kind of things that don't feel very Star Wars to me. And the reasons are everything is completely unfamiliar. Something that, say, the prequels, um, the Mandalorian, um, even the Clone Wars to a degree, they have elements of things that are very familiar, very, you can, you can trace their lineage to whatever in Star Wars, right? The Mandalorian has Baby Yoda, they've got, you know, you've got stormtroopers, you've got, it very much feels like the bones of the original trilogy of Star Wars. Okay, so, so just to be clear, though, yeah. You're, we're still making a distinction here between what feels like Star Wars and what is quality Star Wars media, right? Right. Well, the example being Phantom Menace feels like Star Wars, but it fucking sucks. That's true. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, did, I don't know if you were wandering off from my question into your own sort of ponderings, which is okay. Like, that's I, the point of questions, right? I might, I might have been. I might have been. Yeah. But, okay, so... So those are just examples, I think. What I'm using that is like examples of what I mean by it feels like Star Wars. Oh, sure. Okay. Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so I think that's like, I think that may be just the first element. And then sure. competent storytelling and compelling characters mm. are the other two elements. I can go the whole movie without a space battle. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as I have compelling characters, as long as it feels like Star Wars, like it has Star Wars bones. So an example of what does feel Star Wars is my wife and I went to Hollywood Studios after they opened Galaxy's Edge yeah, down in Florida. And that whole universe there that they've created feels very much like Star Wars. You can, like you walk in and you're like, all right, 
this looks like what a planet in Star Wars would look like. This, the, the, the machinery here looks like what Star Wars machinery looks like. And it's not, you're not always looking at, you know, astromechs or, you know, X-wings or anything like that. I mean, there are little intricacies when you go into like certain buildings, it feels like this could be on a planet there, right? Yeah. And to find out that that whole port that they've created there has its own backstory is something that, that made me pretty happy because it felt like that was something that I wanted more of. They had compelling characters and they had a, a good narrative for the whole, the whole thing. I read through some, uh, some comics and, uh, and part of a novel so far that of, uh, of the Galaxy's Edge. That felt very Star Wars to me. I could see, yeah, I yeah, could see yeah. the progression from, you know, A New Hope to where we are with this world that they've created. The problem that I have with, like, the Golden Age of the Sith, even, is that I can't see the progression, or from the zero issue of that, I can't see where, where we're progressing from that where everything is there, like uh, like the the hyperspace stuff, the ship, the way the ship looks, the ship looks like something out of Dune. Yeah, um, which which is fine. Dune's great, but I I don't. It doesn't belong in Star Wars, right? It's very weird. Yeah, it was a very strange looking ship, and I mean, because Star Wars ships have a very distinct look to them, and that was something that I really appreciated actually about the visual effects of the prequel trilogies. At least they had the structure and the bones of what was to be, right? What was coming. This felt like you already knew where it was going to go. Why not give us something like that? Why not, Yeah, you know, tease a little bit of that in there? Yeah. So I don't even know if I've answered your question, but. That's okay. It's like, that is the kind of digression I hoped for in such a broad fucking useless question. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, so, it, what, is, yeah. Well, okay. So, okay. So just to, I feel like I want to address it. I feel like it needs to have the bones. It needs to have compelling characters and it needs to have competent storytelling. Right. So competent storytelling can be subjective more often than not. It's objective, right? There's, there's a way to tell a story uh, there's an arc to a story, right? There's a progression that makes sense. But but I think compelling characters is the is the wild card there. Compelling characters, what's compelling to me may not be compelling to you, right? I could be interested in learning more about, you know, Nagasadao, and you could be more interested in learning about, you know, Jory and Gaff. Probably not, but you know what I mean. So what, whatever, you know, I suppose it, it depends. It depends on the person for that last component. Having bones of Star Wars, having the, having the structure of those original films is, is objective, right? I mean, you can say without a doubt that the Mandalorian has that, that feel. It has that look. It has that grit, right? Sure. The same thing with the Zahn novels, right? The Zahn trilogy, right? It had that it had that feel, it had that grand scale, and it had compelling characters, in my opinion. And uh and it had a very competent story. So yeah. Yeah. 
no, I'm just yammering. So I want to hear your end of that. What do you, what do you think makes <sighs> I keep trying, I kept trying, I keep trying to sort of wind my way around it. So my, if, if I tried to answer the question I gave you, which is what makes a piece of Star Wars, whatever, a good piece of Star Wars, whatever, I, I think my answer for the moment, and it, and it kind of rhymes with your answer, is if you took the Star Warsiness out of something and you were left with a thing that was still quality, take, for example, um, the, Z- the Zahn books are great books. And even if they were set in, like, pick your universe, in sure. the Isaac Asimov Foundation universe, right? they would still be good books yeah, because they have the other things that make good things. The thing that makes them quality star Wars things is that they are, that they are quality works of art that include star Wars in it. You know what I mean? To, okay. to me, that's how I, that's how I think of it. At least for the moment is that it has to be a quality, just a quality work of art that includes star wars and and i say that because quality is so hard to define mm-hmm. so for example you can say so you some of the things that you said are uh, competent storytelling and um compelling characters uh, uh that rhymes with star wars has star wars bones right competent storytelling the reason i say quality is hard to define is because i don't think there is an objective list of these eight things make a competent story right. these four things make compelling characters in, t- in other words one of the things that makes things interesting is breaking some of the rules of the thing i almost think one of the checkboxes of compelling character is this character has something about him or her that is different from the other nine things that all other compelling characters have. This character is compelling because it breaks the mold of other compelling characters. It, this character is compelling because not because it follows all the rules of compelling characters, but because it chooses some and breaks others and makes its own. And this story, this, this is a competent story, not because it follows all of the rules of storytelling, whatever mm-hmm. those rules are, right? Because it does some good, some not so good, and breaks some of them. Because some people would say there's a beginning and a middle and an end to a movie, right? But right. what if you show the end first? In some cases, that still works. Right, yeah. You know and I mean? that's, that's part that's, of the narrative. That's, yeah, sure. That's, that's right. So, so what, what, I mean by, what I mean by quality is, <laughs> to borrow from Princess Leia, the harder I try to squeeze the definition of what a quality film or movie or comic book is, the more things slip through my fingers. Mm. Okay. Because I can think of an example yeah. of a quality thing. Like sure. if somebody gives me a list of no matter what, these 10 things must be present in a quality piece of work. I guarantee you that you and I could find something that we view as quality that breaks or does not fulfill one of those 10 things there are, I don't think there are 10 things or whatever number of things that can be checked off a list to make a quality work of art. Okay. Which is what I guess what I'm saying is that like, 
in a this is so rambly we're we're pretty rambly today because we're, <laughs> because the material didn't give us a lot to work with here oh you know, we weren't very um, we were kind of dissatisfied with the material honestly. yeah but i think that this still pertains to that because i think what we're talking about in a grand scale is this story itself doesn't feel very star wars it, it doesn't feel yeah. like a good star wars yeah piece of material for so whatever this is, this is for whatever weird. even if even if you and i have different definitions of what a quality piece of work, artwork is right which of course we do because all people do yep. in fact i would argue there are no two people in the world who have the same definition of what a quality piece of art is i'd say that's a fair assessment yeah because absolutely. because because i think there are no two people who would have the exact precisely same taste in film or books or visual art or whatever right right if you get I, I my argument is you give two people enough books there will be a book somewhere in that mix that one of them thinks is quality and one of them thinks is not quality. Right. And possibly, and obviously there usually will be more than one. Sure. Between two people, which is to say that quality is still subjectively defined anyway, but that's okay because that's how everything is anyway. Right. Like Academy Awards, even like the best, the, the best measure we have, I think of a quality, I'm kind of so rambly. <laughs> The best measure I think that we have of quality filmmaking is like probably the Academy Awards. But that's not because they're following a scoring rubric because no such thing exists. It's just right. the Academy voting on the most people thought this thing was the highest quality thing. Right. And they all thought of it as quality for different reasons. Everyone who votes for, you know, the Revenant thinks it's really great for different reasons. And yet who cares if enough people, uh, basically, basically my, my, my quality, my definition of quality is coming down to if enough people think something is quality, it's kind of quality then. Right. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that weird? That's a tough, that's a tough one for because, me to swallow. Because, because the other one is the other definition. The only other definition of quality that makes sense to me then is everyone has a different definition anyway. Right. And, it's all fucking chaos. Right. That, that's the nature you know? of art though, right? Like yeah. you, you're bringing whatever you have <sighs> in your past or in whatever baggage you're coming with is going to reflect in that art, right? Yeah. Up, somebody's an orphan. Well, they're going to relate to Anakin's plight in, you know, episode two or whatever, right? Where I, <laughs> where I kind of have to draw the line is if enough people say a film is quality, that it has to be quality. I have a, I have a problem with that, and I'm not sure why. And I have to think about it, and I have to I have to kind of engage my my prejudice I, here because. So no, that's okay. So actually, it's a little, so I think I'm actually not saying that for myself. Okay. I'm saying that that's a rational definition only because I can't think of any other rational definition of quality. Well, it's okay if that's where you're coming yeah, yeah. from because honestly, okay. I have to I have to challenge my biases, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's that was what makes you grow is you have to challenge your biases. Yeah. My bias is that I don't care if enough people think that Phantom Menace is a quality film. It's still a piece of garbage. It's poorly written. It's poorly acted. It's poorly put together. The special effects are good. It has one good lightsaber fight. That's it. You know, your general populace who's going to go and see this movie may think that it's the best goddamn thing they've ever seen. Yeah. But people who have studied film and people who have studied story and people who have studied acting and people who have written all know whether it's good or not, right? Whether it's actually good, whether it's actually a quality 
thing from their perspective, of course. So fuck, I'm knocking myself right out of that. Right. That's, and that's, see that you're, okay. you are, you are on the same path I'm on. Like, yeah. I think we're, I think we're saying the same thing because the follow on to what you just said is that no two of those people agree to the lowest level. Right. What it is that makes a film quality or a piece of art quality. So, uh, so you know what I mean, because, they, yeah. because, because no two, because you give them enough movies or enough books, mm-hmm. eventually they'll disagree. Like Siskel and Ebert, Thumbs down, thumbs up. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a refutation of objective quality if there ever was one. Right. Because like almost no two people know movies as well as those guys did. Right. And if there's a thumb up and a thumb down, then what? <laughs> then then we're left with Make either quality is entirely subjective and it's not even worth talking about whether something is good or not. Right. Or the act of talking about whether something is quality is the point of quality. I think like, I words, like that. I think I like in other that. Words, in other words, yeah. <clears throat> the act of trying to produce the list is the farthest you'll ever get. You, you'll never get the list of what gives you something that is quality. Right. You'll never get the list because no people will ever agree on a comprehensive, unless you roll it up to some, some, some like ridiculously high level, right? Like, it right. includes at least four colors and a dog picture somewhere in it, right? Then that <laughs> right. quality, right? Or some something ridiculous like that, right. because we can immediately break one of those rules and still find a quality thing that we would agree is quality. Right, right. <clears throat> That's true. Now, so here, I mean, and this is this is probably an example of that exact thing. Like some people think that the Fast and the Furious films are the best thing to ever come down the bike. And I've seen one and a half of them and I can't make it through the other half of that second one. <laughs> and your brain vomits right inside your right. skull. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, okay, look, it's not because it's, I hate like action movies. No, it's, it's the, quite the contrary. I love action movies, but they've got to be good action movies, right? They've got to be competent and make sense. And like Die Hard, the original Die Hard, competent makes sense well well put together john mctiernan was a master at you know action film i could get into an argument with somebody saying you know die hard is better than fast and the furious and objectively i i might be right i would say more people would side with me on die hard than would side with the fast and the furious people but for my peace of mind i don't think i need more people agreeing with me as to whether or not something's good in order to feel comfortable in my position as some of something being good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think that everybody's opinion on what is good or great exists in kind of a microcosm of their own, their own experience of the film, you know what I mean? Or of the, whatever media it is. Right. Yep. I mean, for every, for every person that loves, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, you're going to have six people that say, well, I wish it was the Force Unleashed 3. And, and I've heard that. I've seen that on Reddit a bunch of times. People are like, yeah. I wish they would have just made Force Unleashed 3. I want to know what happened there. It's like, okay, well, sometimes you got to let those hard-to-reach chips go, you know? I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but but anyway. I want to make sure I'm being clear here, too, is that yeah. my position is not that if a billion people think it's good, then it's good. Right. Or if a billion people think it's quality, then it's quality. Right. 
I my position is that that's the only definition that I can make make sense without simply resorting to everyone has their own definition. Yeah, this is this is hard to this is hard to like say because it's a it's a twisty turning subject. When I was a kid, I would read a review of a movie by like say Roger Ebert or whoever was yeah. writing for the Wilmington News Journal back then. I would read an interview or not an interview, read a review of the film. Then I would go and see the film, right? Yeah. And I would come away with it with my own opinion of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the perception to the lay person, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that in a way of a person that just consumes entertainment rather than goes to view art. I think the perception of the lay person is that there's way too many of them that believe that critics think that they have to agree with them like that the, that the audience member has to agree with all oh, right 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 and so they they find themselves constantly at odds with the critic like i don't fucking care what the critic says odds you can't tell me what a, whether a movie's good or not well uh, yes they can they can tell you their opinion and they're not there tell you objectively whether or not the movie's good they'll give you their opinion based on their uh, in most cases quite a large knowledge yeah base. yeah they'll give you their opinion about whether or not the film is good and i have found myself more often than not falling in line with like a critic but yeah. every once in a while i i you bust free i bust free and i I, yeah. I i form my own i i form my own opinion no matter what but i i don't my opinion doesn't always jive with those critics i think that's where the idea of like a quality Star Wars story or piece of media is going to, it's going to, it's going to come down to individual people as to what's quality. Because if we may yeah. think, we may have thought that the, the golden age of the Sith was not an enjoyable read, but I know that there are people that, that worship these older extended universe, this older EU stuff as stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible, right? I mean, this is, yeah. this is it, right? Now we've talked about it before you and I, we're going through and we're picking and choosing what we want yeah. as yeah. part of, as part of the, the Paul yep. and Rich, you know, headcanon, right? Shared headcanon. I think is what yeah. Our, our, our cloud drive headcanon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and so, you know, I think, I think it's okay if we don't like this and I think it's okay if other people yeah. do. You know, but I think, I don't think it's okay for other people to say, Hey, your opinion doesn't matter because you can't tell me whether something's good or not. Well, I think that you're wrong in that, in that arena. I think that everybody's opinion matters when it comes to this stuff. If, if you're looking for it, like if you don't want the person's opinion, don't read, don't watch, don't listen, just go and do it. So there's, there's a, there's a Latin quote. I always think about when I talk about good or bad art or whatever. The quote is de gustibus non est disputandum, which means in matters of taste, there can be no dispute. In other words, taste meaning broader than just like eating food, right? But let's sure, just yeah. say, but let's just say that like somebody lays a hunk of cheese in front of the two of us and I take a bite and I'm like, that's good. And you take a bite and you're like, nah, that doesn't taste very good. Right. There's, there's no resolving that. There's no way right. to say whether the cheese is good or not. The only, the only, the only place the cheese is good is inside the experience of the person doing the tasting of the cheese. That's a very good point. So, so in other words, which is where I kind of think, even if it's not satisfying to me, the only objective measure that makes sense 
other than everyone has their own opinions is giant fucking crew of people vote on whether something is good or not. Because at least, because at least, because again, again, I'm not arguing for that to be the real definition, but I'm arguing for it to be the only way if you, if you were to try to have an objective way of determining what something is, whether something is quality, that would be the only objective way is to take a giant vote on it. Right. Because a vote is objective. Even if everyone taking the vote is subjective, the vote itself is objective because it's 92 to seven, right? Or whatever. That's like, that's my definition of quality wrapped in the if of, if I had to make a definition that satisfied an objective sensibility of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Except I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want quality to be whatever I think is quality. Right. And that's about it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. for the purposes of this show, yeah. that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely an important distinction. Yeah. Because, because we are coming up with our own definition of, of quality. Yeah. yeah Whatever's not quality is not going to make it into the headcanon as far as we're concerned. And it's the vote, right? Sort of right. the vote. I mean, we're like just verbally not voting, but you know, we're like, right. we're sort of offering each other the thoughts. Right. And then I, th- it, I think pretty much every episode we've come away with similar thoughts. Yeah. And it's because we sort of get them mixed in together mm-hmm. and then build that consensus almost for, with each other. Right. Um, I think, I think you and I, I mean, are of similar mind too. So I mean, that yeah. really helps. There's not really so in it, and I think there would be, have to be like, I think it would probably take a lot of star Wars before we'd find something that you and I disagreed as to whether it was quality or not. Right. Right. But yeah, I what I'm saying is yeah. who gives a shit if we disagree? It's the point of <laughs> like, it's the point of art. Right. You know, is to have an experience. And to discuss if, it too. If, if, if quality could be satisfyingly objectively defined, right. You would have ruined art. <laughs> well, you done because fucked up art. Way to go. You done fucked up art because <laughs> Art is supposed to be, I think, take the thing in, run it through your cogs, and see what comes out mm-hmm. in your feelings, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Take, take the thing, smush it through your feelings sieve, and whatever comes out, that's, that's what that was for you. And it can't have been anything else, and nobody else will get the same thing out of their sieve. But art is kind of that process of thing, sieve, experience. I like it. This is yeah. This is a long episode. Well, we should probably wrap it up then. Let's uh, yeah. Let's figure out what we want to go next. Okay. Do you want to continue on this path? I almost God. I almost feel like we got to do at least one more, <laughs> where we do the next bit of this thing. Yeah. Because at least, uh, well, I, at least I want to posit that maybe we should, simply because like this one leaves on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And there is still a little bit left to understand of the Sith history stuff. Now I do not feel strongly about that though. Like if you were like, if you were like, Paul, I don't really care. I want to do this. I would go right along with you. Sure. Because I don't, like I said, I don't feel strongly that I need to do that. (laughs) You know, I, I hear you. I mean, we're two arcs away from being from done doing with the this. whole dumb thing anyway. <laughs> right. So like my thought here is if we, if we do those over the next couple of episodes, we'll put this to bed. 
right? Yeah. We don't have to come back to this if we don't like it. We can we can we can head can it if we that. do like it. And then I think from there we can kind of do maybe like a palate cleanser. You know, go to something yeah. that you and I both agree that, we, that is is good. You know, and and yeah. and go back and let's talk about something that is a known quantity, and then let's dive into whatever we're going to dive in after that. Yeah, I I think that's good. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think let's do the fall of the Sith Empire next time. Okay. All right. Redemption after that. Okay. And then you know Star Wars porn after that or whatever. I don't know. You got it, buddy. Star Wars porn. <laughs> it is. <laughs> We're go- are we going to review all of it in this uh, thing? Because, I mean, yes. I got to tell you, there's probably quite a bit of that out there. So Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later.